All you have to do is come with me. Where? Where else? To Zahadu. This is about more than what I want. So I'm going, even though I know it's almost certainly a trap. Who are you? Who decides that the workday is from 9 to 5 instead of 11 to 4? Who decides that the hemlines will be below the knee this year and short again next year? Who draws up the borders, controls the currency, handles all of the decisions that happen transparently around us? I don't know. Ah. I'm with them. Same group, different department. Think of me as a sort of middleman. And the name is Justin. It was the end of the Earth year 2260, and the war had paused suddenly and unexpectedly. It was as if the universe were holding its breath, waiting. All of life can be broken down into moments of transition or moments of revelation. This had the feeling of both. Jaquan wrote, there is a greater darkness than the one we fight. It is the darkness of the soul that has lost its way. The war we fight is not against powers and principalities. It is against chaos and despair. Greater than the death of flesh is the death of hope. The death of dreams. Against this peril we can never surrender. The future is all around us waiting in moments of transition to be born in moments of revelation. No one knows the shape of that future or where it will take us. We know only that it is always born in pain. She was the woman he loved. Now she belongs to them. Time to learn the truth. Melissa Gilbert guest stars on an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house.
Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, as well as a group of first ones who are watching Babylon 5 for the umpteenth time. And we are here today to talk about the season three finale, Zaha Doom. I'm Scott, and with me is... Jesse. Justin. Blake. Emily. Blake. Nicole. And Kevin. Now, usually what happens when we get to these big episodes, we get a lot of new listeners. So I'm going to explain a little bit of how this goes. Our newbies have only watched up until Zaha Doom. Jesse, I think, watched like five minutes ago. And we are going to be discussing that episode spoiler free with the newbies. Well, well, we'll spoil the episode, but we won't talk about anything that happens afterwards. At the end of that, we'll get the questions that are lingering from our newbies and predictions from our newbies about what's going to happen next in season four. And then we'll jettison out the airlock. And then us first ones who have watched the whole show, we'll do a spoiler section after the fact. Before we do any of that, just a reminder to check out all our social media. They're linked down below. We have our Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all active we have a really good conversations on our facebook our twitter right now is running our season three tournament and as this gets dropped i will be dropping the championship round of the tournament uh, we have about uh we're down to four as we record this and we'll have the championship rolling out here pretty soon so check that out on twitter and then we'll discuss that on our live show which will be next sunday october 22nd at 9 p.m central u.s time and that will be over at YouTube. So if you go to our YouTube channel, which is again linked down below, you'll be able to find the notification for that live show. Click the notify me button and you'll get the ring as soon as we do go live. And you can join that conversation of all things season three. Along with that, you can also join our Patreon where we are having our Discord discussions. We have both a non-spoiler and spoiler section. Our Discord yesterday was talking about JMS books, which is interesting. So a lot of good conversations happening over there. And uh, finally, if you can, please hit that subscribe, the like, the follow button, whatever buttons you have in front of you, as well as leave us a review. Those reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, really do help us grow. We actually didn't get any new reviews this week, so I'm a little sad, but we did get a new comment from a new listener over at YouTube. This comes from Conway Gritty 73. I just found this channel. Absolutely love this. I've watched the entire series easily over a dozen times, and it's by far the best television series ever made, in my opinion. Can't wait to see the rest of these. And then he gives me a Spock salute. So thank you, Conway Gritty. Welcome to the shit show that is our show. And we uh, are glad to have you over at YouTube. And also, you can check out the audio podcast as well. Again, linked down below. So let's go ahead and start talking about Zaha Doom. Emily, I believe you have synopsis for us for Zaha Doom. Yeah. Zaha Doom goes boom. That's it. Thank you. That's <laughs> Nothing very... else is relevant. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> Nothing else in the entire episode is relevant. No, just matter. <laughs> Just the boom. Just the boom. <laughs> well, I have a feeling we're going to be talking a little bit more about it than just the boom, but the boom will be talked about, I'm sure. So let's go to our newbies and get their first impressions. And Jesse, you've been gone for a while, so let's get you first. First impressions. Um, holy fucking shit. This episode makes me want to go back and watch the entire series all over again. I, as I was watching, I was like, you know, you watch it and you forget stuff, and then they bring it back up, and I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of remember that. But just... Holy shit. All the stuff happened all at once. 
8,000 questions just based off the last five minutes of the, of the show. Um, I loved it. I, again, am finding myself to those of you who are new, actually enjoying all of it. So it's, it's fun. I like it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Thank you. Speaking of not hating it, Emily, first impressions. Um, wow. Yeah. So there was a boom. I was actually really glad to find out that his wife had been had like a personality alteration because I can't imagine he'd ever be married to someone that shitty. Um, and it was actually nice to finally understand what the shadows are trying to do. They're basically trying to have every other group commit genocide against whatever other group, all of them, doesn't matter, irrelevant, because they want the space. They're just hoping everyone else kills everyone else off so they can have the region and whatever's interesting we'll talk about that more because uh, i think they want something different but let's see what the other newbies have to say about that uh justin first impressions i mean i didn't hate it either it was <laughs> you dogged shadow dancing are you gonna dog zaha doom as no well? honestly no i'm not the only i loved it wonderful episode i enjoyed it it answered a lot of questions it triggered a lot of new questions um so it was a very fulfilling episode if i do have to admit a little predictable but other than that absolutely loved it it makes sense that the human leader of the shadows is also named justin that makes up that that kind of i saw that i'm like <laughs> yeah okay um and then yeah oh makes perfect sense i call him mark but, twain yeah i saw that too Again, I know that we've all said it from time and time again. It just makes me pissed off that I can't just go on and start binging the next one because I've got a lot of thoughts about the repercussions of this episode. So, Well, just remember when we were watching back in the day, we saw Zaha Doom go boom in October and we had to wait for January uh, mm -hmm. for season four. And there was actually some talks about the way WB was doing stuff, and they didn't know if there was going to be a season four at this point. They were pretty sure there was going to be blah, 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 blah. There was some talks of moving this episode to be the first episode of season four. So that would have been interesting. Nicole, first impressions. Obviously, I thought this was an awesome episode. Um, I really liked it. couple little things that are very Nicole niche, I have to point out. Anna, shady bitch, shady counts up. Uh, also, the swear count is up. Two swears in this episode. Sheridan swore and Garibaldi swore. So I was like, oh, okay, we're getting a little a little crazy here for the WB or wherever it was aired, you know. Um, so that was kind of just something funny. I noticed that there was some swearing. Uh, I appreciated that because I like swearing. Um, but no, I thought it was a great episode. Um, a lot happened. Anna, shady ass bitch, she got got and I was happy. I was like yelling at the screen like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> um, I do not like her. Um, but um yeah i i thought um the visions of kosh and the voices of kosh that sheridan was hearing i thought that was kind of a cool touch clearly he's the one that is still connected to kosh not lita because <laughs> this just kind of proved it to me but yeah i thought obviously overall it was it was good i'm i'm glad that he didn't leave with Delenn in like a bad place and he sent her that message i thought that was good um uh, because you could tell she was you know, devastated thinking that he didn't want anything to do with her. And that was like, that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Overall, I thought it was really good. Um, I like that he knew that she was shady and didn't trust her. I apparently am naive because I didn't think it was predictable. Like, I was like, why is he going there? And I didn't realize until he called the ship that they had the bombs, obviously. And I was like, oh, so either I'm just dense or naive. I'm not sure. One of the two. Um, but yeah, 
I just thought it was it was really good. Um, you know, I, I got really mad when the shadow surrounded B5 while he was there, because basically if he said no, they were going to kill everybody, you know, and then they were going to just put him in one of those ships and put the shit in his back of his head. So I just yeah, there was a lot um, to unpack. So I think I'm rambling. I just need to stop talking. But great. Episode. But great episode. Nicole, I don't know about predictability. We'll talk to everybody about that. But I will say this was foreshadowed a lot. Uh, obviously, we saw in War Without End that uh, Delenn of the future was telling John not to go to Zaha Doom right. and all of that. But if you go back to all the way to In the Shadow of Zaha Doom, which, by the way, is one of our most listened to episodes, Sheridan says, I won't go down easy and I will not go down alone. And I love that that got paid off finally. That's yeah. one of those like lines like, oh. I know what's happening there. That's a lot of foreshadowing. Who He's knew got... he was talking about his ex-wife? <laughs> I mean, who hasn't wanted to nuke their ex-wife? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Justin, what do you think? <laughs> I agree. You're the only one with an ex, so that's why I had to yeah. pick you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can I add one more One more small thing? One yes. more small thing? I literally wrote out the entire ending of Jakar's voiceover because I just thought it was so profound and so like it was beautiful and sad and true. And I, I just loved it. So I wrote it out. So I have it in front of me so I could go back and read that because I just thought it was so epic. Yeah. Andreas Kasulis is uh, he, he, he this is not his last speech. And all his speeches are just so damn good. The last one he does, which I'm not going to say when or how, what the context is, but I have used that whenever, um, well, I've used it a lot and I won't say anything else, but his last speech he gives, chef's kiss. The one other thing too, Nicole, since you mentioned that scene real quick, what I love about that was uh, at the very end as kind of Babylon 5 is moving into the terminus, so they're kind of going away from the sun, the lights start coming on the ship, which by the way, the effects have gotten a lot better as we've already discussed, but I love the symbolism of being a light in the dark and <laughs> season four is going <laughs> to, that, that's going to be a theme, I think. Okay, let's go to our first ones who have seen all the show and we'll do Mike first. Mike, first impressions. I do like this episode. It's not it's not one that resonates with me a lot. Um, there are some things that I kind of chuckle at, like the like the shadows ultimate sales pitch of the evilest thing you've ever heard, but trying to play it off like it's not the evilest thing you've ever heard. I find to be kind of like a laughable premise um, overall, and it undercuts the seriousness. Yeah, it, it's very very timeshare like uh, in my mind. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then Ivanova signing for the delivery of plot devices in the very beginning of the episode uh, is is another one. But your MacGuffin you know, has arrived, ma'am. <laughs> but overall, I mean, it, it is despite those two things like it is still a good episode. Uh, there's a lot of really good payoff in it. And that's really about all I can say for it for my, my personal feelings. Kevin, first impressions. I'd have to agree with Mike. That's a lot like how I feel about this episode. It, it's good. There's a couple of issues with it. Um, but uh, but overall, I mean, this is an iconic episode. This is one you absolutely can't skip. This is an enjoyable watch. Um, it uh, it added some more drama into the, the Sheridan and Delenn relationship that I think I'm hoping some people will like because they thought it was getting a little too, you know, Delenn doing the googly eyes at Sheridan and not much else. So uh, I thought that was a good addition. And uh, I'm I'm real interested to see what everyone has to say about this one. So, Blake, 
And so I really enjoy this one, especially looking within the context of the whole season. I mean, this was really the first time in television you had one writer across an entire season with JMS and the bits of foreshadowing and pieces he put into the episode and to see it pay off here with this one with Zaha Doom. And I thought it was a good pace up too. I liked the way it moved the story. It explained a little bit more and finally gave us that answer of what the hell do the shadows actually kind of want and where are they at within the context of all this? So I really enjoyed the episode for that. And then just seeing that in piece where the white star crashes through that skylight, which again, there's some holes in it, which, you know, why would you have a giant skylight for an underground city that you could crash a ship there, you know, and not blow it out of orbit to begin with, but you know, minor things. I did appreciate though. It, it was mentioned. I love when they showed up at the start. And it's like, here, would you please sign for this plot device that you're going to need later? You know, <laughs> it, it just nicely delivered that right up front of, you know, it's here ready to go. So I did. I do like this episode, though. I think it's one of the better ones. It's pretty high ranked, if I remember the. Uh... Yeah, it's number two on Lurker's Guide. Uh, the only episode that beat it on the rankings is Severed Dreams, which we've already seen as well too from season three. Honestly, I think there is some better episodes still coming, but uh, this is number two overall according to Lurker's Guide. Is that it, Blake? That's it. Yeah, so like usual, you guys have hit on most of what I wanted to hit on, which is great. Uh, to Blake's point, yeah, this is the first time in American television history that a showrunner or any writer has wrote the entire season from episode one to the end. And the funny part is JMS talked a lot about how it nearly killed him and it ruined his marriage. And uh, in the, the his autobiography, he talks more about that. But when he said after he uh, had Zaha Doom get turned in as a script, he said, I have no plans to do this next season. And he'll do it again next season. He'll write the whole season again. So poor man just likes to, you know, hurt himself. With this episode, uh, I, I really do enjoy that, even though it literally is a plot dump, the entire episode is just like, here, plot. Uh, it's done well. I, I really love the scene where Justin, Morden, Anna, and Sheridan are just sitting around a table talking. Mike, you already hit on it. When Justin's like, and sometimes species die. And that's sad. <laughs> I'm just like, you are a sick motherfucker, Justin. I, <laughs> both of you, actually. <laughs> uh, I was going to no, say, like, yes, like, I like, am. Listen, <laughs> in, order, in order to make this omelet, a few billion people got to die. It's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Well, I got a lot more I want to talk about both here and then also beyond the rim too, where we do our spoiler section. So we'll just dive in. There's really, I mean, I guess the B plot is what's happening at B5 while Sheridan goes as Aha Doom, but it's all kind of one mesh together plot. So I don't know where you guys want to start talking, but somebody start talking. Should we talk about Londo before we get into the rest Please. of it? Since yeah. he apparently has a new liaison with the shadows. Well, yeah, go for it. I just, it was interesting because as soon as the guy walked up, I was like, oh, this dick's working for the shadows. <laughs> and I, I was like, that was an interesting assumption to make without hearing a word. I was like, yep, yeah, I know who he is and what he's up to. He's wearing a nice suit and he's talking to Londo. He's a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems suspicious. So my one question, since you brought that up, is d we don't see it. Do you all think that Veer and Londo took the uh, the warning and got the hell yes. off the station? Do you think he left? A hundred percent. He's a pussy. <laughs> he gone. He gone. Mike, what do you got? I kind of assumed he would leave, take the hint and leave because he's not that 
funny you actually brought that up. I actually forgot about that part of it. I was going to comment on the fact that we find out early in the episode between Londo and Beer that, you know, Londo had followed in the grandest tradition of upper management and failed upwards. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, uh, the Peter Principle? You yeah. always get promoted just to where you're a failure? Yeah, apparently he didn't do quite a good enough job, so now he's got a, a direct, direct line to the emperor which he did go on to explain was not a good thing i do appreciate that though that londo understands that in not just centauri culture but also in politics in general sometimes when you get moved into that upper echelon it's not because they think you're great at what you do it's because they want to keep an eye on you Mm -hmm. so season four fun times justin what do you got well and that's exactly what i was going to say about londo as well as we know at some point he fails all the way up into the big chair and this is another step in the right direction so um but i don't really know if he's like they're talking about the kind of the the guy who shows up to kind of give him the warning i don't i don't think he's a shad like like i don't think he's another morden per se but i think he was just somebody who is associated with the with the shadows through earth or through some other means who was just said hey go get Londo out of there before we show up. But I don't think he's another crew of the Icarus, but who knows? Maybe he is. Yeah. I mean, we, we know where Morden was. He's hanging out on Zaha doom. Uh, yeah. Probably because he doesn't want to get blowed up either. So right. Yep. Definitely dude's expendable as opposed to Morden. Nicole. Yeah. I was just going to say like, he was just probably sent by Morden or told to give him the message. Cause Morden was waiting for Sheridan to come and, you know, not going to come there to tell Londo when he wanted to basically take Sheridan hostage, essentially. And by the way, Morden was hella creepy, like extra creepy in that scene, like with in that room. He really just gave me the heebie-jeebies more than normal. Mm-hmm. Is it the casualness with which he's talking about committing eugenics? He yeah. just, he just <laughs> looked... He looked evil, like he looked more evil than normal. Maybe it was because his hair was a little different. It was like slick, slick back as opposed to like the curlyish. He looked look less he Rob had. Serling than usual. Yeah, yeah. He just looked like a like if I saw him in an alley, I would turn the other way and call the cops. Like he was, oh, he really freaked me out. Justin really turned on a dime. You know, it's like, uh, oh, you're not going to cooperate, you know, and then he just like totally different guy. It's like, whoa, that 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 turned quick. Yeah, that guy sucked too. Well, when he was talking about Anna, it's like, you know, when they come out of those ships, they're not always the same. And you do what you're told with that voice. I'm like, geez. And then the shadow walks in, which, by the way, we're starting to see more of the shadows again. CGI is going up. But Mm -hmm. I this is probably I think this is the first time we've seen a full bodied one who hasn't like, you know, either been phasing in or out or whatever. We just like see him walk in like, hey, guys, what's up? Justin, what you got? Yeah, that Justin guy's a real dipshit. (laughs) <laughs> but um but no i listening to that I, and i guess while we're talking about that whole scene in the room a couple things kind of came to my mind when i was watching it and i morton's not wrong when he talks about the history of humanity that is kind of how human civilization evolved through you know a lot of our biggest technological advances have come through war and military action and you know chaos and everything like that so just trying to apply that on a galactic level is a really fucked up thing to do because we've seen how it's fucked up our planet pretty well i think we got kind of got a lot of answers in terms of because we've had this discussion over a few episodes about are they willing participants or are they meat puppets and stuff like that and i think that 
it's kind of we we kind of got the answer it's kind of both you know anna was definitely a meat puppet because they lobotomized her and stuck her into a spider ship and then had to kill you know when they pulled her out it completely warped and destroyed her entire personality so they had to give her a new one i think it kind of answered the question to me i think morton's a willing participant and i think justin is too they had they had a choice to make some of them chose to serve some of them didn't the ones that didn't ended up being uh little creepy lobotomized space pilots so i do like how melissa gilbert played that too because morton and justin are having their conversation with sheridan when they start talking about what happened to anna she kind of shuts down too she just kind of gets a little quiet and then of course we see later on when they're about ready to get uh kaboomed she's like well anna's gone that personality is not coming back but i can love you just the same my god yeah me that was terrifying Like, she's going to kill your pet while you're asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I have something about Melissa Gilbert. So they they actually had to kind of talk her into doing this. So for those of you that may not know, she and Boxleitner were married at this point. And so it was the producer's idea. It had nothing to do with Bruce. But the producers come to Bruce and say, hey, we want Melissa to to, uh, come in and do this episode. We want someone that's already got some established, um, you know, you know, rapport and chemistry with you. Uh, What do you think? And he he liked the idea um, and she wasn't wild about it initially she kind of had to be talked into it she was like no i mean this is your show i don't want to i mean they'd worked together before but she didn't really want to encroach on you know his area but she she decided that you know amongst their their coaxing and and bruce encouraging her to do it that she ended up doing it and i think one of the things that that sold her on it um never mind i'll shut up no. Are they still? Are they? Are they still married? No, I got no. yelled about that in the comments because I said they okay. were married and I didn't point out that they were divorced. And yes, they are divorced now. Sorry, commenters. Like I had like fifteen people nail me on that. I knew they were divorced. I just didn't make a point to what I How said. There you, Scott. Not I know the divorce. I know. Do they have kids? I don't know. I can't Google it. So yeah, we'll be corrected when this airs. So yeah, it always. Is. I don't. Listeners, tell me if they had kids. <laughs> Let's go to Mike. Two points. Um, one is, so they outright tell you that his wife, Anna, had been plugged into uh, a shadow vessel or something and, you know, had her human OS upgraded, uh, which to me is proof that they all run on Apple. But uh, I guess, do we know for sure that, you know, Morden and Justin haven't also been manipulated in some way? I mean... I was hoping somebody would bring that up because, uh, Justin, I agree with you to an extent that they are okay. more... They're more involved in what's going on than, say, Anna. Anna just got plucked out of the ship, and she's already been plugged in, and she's just doing what they want to do. But remember, Justin even talked about perception and how you see things. So even if Justin sees himself as somebody who's more actively engaged, is it just because the shadows are making him feel more actively engaged? Or is he actively engaged? Because yeah, after somebody it, started playing with your mind, does it really matter? Well, is it that's programming, just, basically. Yeah, gotcha. and I mean, and that's kind of the point. It's like once once you've revealed your hand that you are capable of manipulating somebody's mind, can I trust anything that you say or one of your spokespeople says like ever again without, you know, what assurance do I have that anybody that I talk to now hasn't similarly been manipulated, you know? <laughs> and, and frankly, Blake was the one who commented about it being a timeshare sales pitch. Uh, and and the more I think about it, the more accurate that description actually is because the bottom line is whether Justin and or Morton were ever plugged into a shadow ship or not, torture's torture. 
and timeshare sales pitches are exactly that. They're torture. <laughs> they lock you, they lock you in a room and they hold you more or less against your will until you submit. And you sell your soul. Yeah. Little secret when you're driving through Florida and you see all those signs for cheap uh theme park tickets, those are timeshares. Stay away. Stay away. We we still do not in my mind, know the true nature of Warden or Justin or anyone that the Shadows associate with. On your warning, though, to stay away when driving through Florida, couldn't you just apply that to the entire state? You know, yeah. Not just the cheap theme park tickets? This is true. This is true. Hi, Florida listeners. (laughs) I I, I happen to know, Blake, that you'll be in Fort Lauderdale later this year, though, so, I mean... Technically, no, I won't. Question mark? February. Okay, later this year, smartass. Okay. Uh, Well, as we were talking about Justin and Blake's travel plans, I did wiki it, and uh, Melissa Gilbert and Bruce Boxleitner had one child in 1995, so right before this episode was filmed, uh, and uh, they were divorced in 2011. Oh, wow. And she is currently married to West Wing alum, among other things, Timothy Busfield. Oh, cool. Mike, did you have anything else? Uh, I mean, I guess I kind of, buried well i didn't bury the lead i kind of led with this already but it's it's i want to get everyone else's thoughts on the what the what what your belief is that the shadow's ultimate plan is you kind of talked about in my understanding of listening to them talk it's the idea that without conflict civilization innovation stagnates you have to have war in order to get to air fryers (laughs) and 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 that is basically their whole sales pitch is like, look, if you want cool shit, you're going to have to go out and kill each other for a while. And that is so outwardly preposterous and ridiculously like evil that it's it's it bothers me. It's one of these tropes that reappears, I think, a lot in science fiction. And I guess anytime I see it, I just I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. But I just you know, what what is everyone else's thought on that? Let's go to the newbies on that, because, Emily, I know you mentioned that they want the space for themselves. And if you want to elaborate that on that, go ahead and then we'll go to everybody else. So, Emily, I know what they said. And they're like, oh, it's essentially chaos and they'll evolve better. And I was like, mm, that smells like bullshit. I believe they want the chaos part, but I'm not sold that they're trying to make the other races evolve to be better and what like technologically advanced. That felt like coating on a little shitty candy. <laughs> like it's just that's what they're saying. It's not the truth. It's the needle inside the candy bar since it's I, close to Halloween. Yeah, I think um <laughs> They it's were about the chaos and the fighting, but so it's just uh, it's just bullshit on their part. Okay, yeah. Uh, I see Jesse nodding her head emphatically as Emily was talking. So go for it. Well, just one thing, and 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 the spirit of a Facebook meme. Nobody likes your kids well enough to give them free drugs, so we can just not with that now thank you happy halloween everybody make sure you check your local local sex offender registry and make sure you know which houses you're going to the more you know (laughs) okay um (laughs) but if you do know of any houses that are giving out free drugs please write to gray 17 podcast and let us know so we can protect everybody by going and getting them all ourselves this is a good point though real quick for for our listeners for Halloween on Twitter and Facebook, send us your best Babylon 5 cosplay. I love to see it. There's a lot of good Londos out there, but I know there's other stuff too. I've seen and some I'll... good uh, cautious, actually. I want to see someone do a shadow costume. Hmm. <laughs> it's well, like centipede. You got to attach different people to it. Also, for the record, I'm not giving out candy because I'm taking my kid around and I don't like your kid. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. To get back to the podcast. 
that we're doing and have been doing for a while. Um, <laughs> I like Emily's thought process because I had the same thing. Like, it's not about advancing other other races. It's about advance, like dominating the entire universe in my mind. Like they want it. My mind went back to like how Morden approached Londo and convinced him to be able to kill millions of, of his own people. Although he wanted to, it just seemed it wasn't his people, was it? It was um it was um Jakar's people. My bad. Sorry. But you know what I mean? Like to to kill millions of people. And and like just rewinding to that, I was like, oh no, that totally makes sense why he was so eager to help out Wando. I don't think it's about advancing anything except their own dominance over everything. Nicole, what do you got for what do you think the plan of the shadows is? I think they were trying to basically bullshit Sheridan and they were like, oh yeah, we want to evolve. You can work with us, but they they were never going to work with them. They just want to get them out of the way. They were going to get Sheridan to agree to work with them. They were still going to kill everybody. And then they were going to put Sheridan in a ship. That's what I think. Um, I think that, you know, what they really want is like to be in charge and to be dominant and they don't give a fuck who's in their way. Uh, it's kind of like the movie, the war of the worlds. If you ever seen that, which I know it was a radio program. They go in, they exterminate everyone, take their resources, and then they move on. And kind of like a locust. That's kind of what I felt like that they are. And they look like them too. That was a very millennial statement, by the way. Have you ever seen War of the Worlds? I think it was a radio program before. H.G. Wells is like, fuck you. No, no, it was a radio program. <laughs> well, no, but... I know, but it was a book yeah. in the 1800s. Oh, Yeah, I, I saw that movie. It's called Independence Day. Oh, <laughs> Which is also a great movie. Also a great movie. <laughs> yes, it is. I saw Independence Day once. It was called V. Well, that's a whole nother thing. And Justin, the plan for the shadows. First, being an H.G. Wells fan, that made me shudder a little bit. To me, it depends on what your definition of becoming better means. I believe they believe what they're saying. I think that in their definition of making the galaxy better and making races better um, means making the surviving races more like them. And by longer, by by extension exuding their influence over the surviving races and taking kind of control of the galaxy. Um, Jesse hinted on that very same episode where Morton puts up that giant image of the galaxy and tells Londo, if you help us, you can have this little part here. You see all the red? That belongs to us. You know, you stay on your side, we'll stay on our side, everybody will be happy. So I, I do I do kind of agree with everyone else. I think dominance and kind of um, conquest is part of it. But I honestly believe that they think by doing so, they are making races better and they are making the galaxy better. So, you know, they believe the bullshit that they're spewing, just like OJ believes he didn't kill Nicole. So we have basically 100% a vote of the newbies that the shadows were bullshitting to some extent or another and that their real goal is to take over said galaxy one way or the other. Uh, we'll talk about this again. I have a feeling. So I did have a question for Kevin about Box Lightner's wife. So uh -huh. they used a picture of her, of his actual wife in the beginning of the series. Mm -hmm. And then later we're like, oh, let's put her in this. Scene. No, they, they recast the part. See, the, the part was played by Tassant, I think is her last name. I'm drawing a blank on. But yeah, her last name was Tassant. And they they recast it for this particular uh, episode. So much so that they refilmed uh, part of the, the message that... Um, 
Sherry's yes. sister gave to him um that was a uh a description of what the what the plan was with Zaha Doom for the the um the mission to go there. Kevin to go a little yeah, farther, they they they, re- they refilmed the entire thing. Yeah. Because yeah. The, there was an intention and JMS mentioned it a couple times that he was and this was before George Lucas did it, he was thinking about pulling a George Lucas and going back and just redoing that entire scene of that original episode he didn't do it as we've seen but he was thinking about it I, it occurred to me it's beth to sant there you go yeah he basically jms in his comments called it uh soviet revisionism brought to television um that it was never happened ignore the original actress it's all always been melissa gilbert you're just mistaken yeah it's really easy when you also have you know a married couple doing that is like the wedding pictures those were actually just the wedding pictures from Gilbert and Boxleitner. So they'd be like, oh, we don't have to do anything with that. We'll just copy and paste. Nicole, you said you had something else you want to add? Oh, it was about the shadows and what we were talking about with Mike's thing. The thing with them is that, like, they're just so manipulative. That's all they do is manipulate. They find ways to manipulate. So, like, anything that comes out of their mouths is complete fucking bullshit because literally all they do, like, Morden manipulates. Like, they use manipulation as a way to get what they want, you know? Um, like the shift of when she came out, I can love you just like that or whatever. Like, bitch, get the fuck out of here, you manipulative whore. Like, and like the way that Morden manipulates people, that Justin guy was being manipulated. Like, all they do is manipulate. I feel like nothing they say that comes out of their mouths can be trusted at all, period. Justin. And I guess I kind of wanted to elaborate a little bit on what I said during my first reactions and maybe get everybody else's opinion. Was I the only person who kind of thought that this episode was a little bit predictable? When I was originally watching it and taking some notes and stuff like that, and I remember going through everything and like when, you know, he gets the report and there's something wrong with her. I'm like, okay, that completely makes sense. And then when he's like, okay, he sets the pad down and they have that scene in his quarters where he agrees to go. And then he's looking over at everything and he, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not, he's not completely not trusting her 100%. And then I'm like, it, when he, as soon as he has that scene with Garibaldi, where he goes, Hey, I want you to do all this stuff for me. By the way, I want all the Mimbaris off the ship and I want them put on security clearance. And I'm like, Shit, he's not planning on coming back. Like, he's planning on blowing shit up while, while he's out there because, well, why else would you have this scene at the very beginning of them having a bunch of nukes on board? And I started piecing the, the things together in my notes, like, Oh, he's got, he's going to put nukes on the ship and he's going to blow up Zaha Doom. And he's not planning on coming back. He's going to leave some kind of suicide message for Delin and stuff like that. So when it all kind of transpired, like it was all cool to watch unfold, but none of it like shocked or surprised me. And I don't know if I was the only one that that happened to. Jesse. Yeah. So I I would say, so maybe because I thought it was because I don't feel like I track this show like some of you guys do. Um, as far as like following along, I have to be reminded about stuff before I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. But I didn't see it as super predictable. Like, and and maybe it was just me like, okay, yeah, the nukes, looking back, that was foreshadowing. But I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure it would happen. And honestly, I watched the whole thing and had no idea what was going to happen. So that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't predictable. um, But I didn't see it that way. Blake? Well, I think along that lines, and I'm with Jesse here, I don't necessarily see the episode as predictable. But I think to Justin's point where he maybe felt that it was, there's been so much foreshadowing, not just in this episode, but throughout the entire season, it's been building to this whole thing. 
And they have been dropping hints that this is where this was headed for so long. So I think I can see where you get the idea that it's predictable because they've put the hints in your head for 21 episodes before this, that this yeah. is coming. Yeah, that, that actually makes the most sense, Blake. The, the the only blatant part was the, here's your delivery of plot device, Commander. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shocker, two are missing. I wonder where they are. Like, <laughs> Mike. Well, and I think it's a little bit of a sci-fi trope as well for for some of us that picked up on it that, you know, the hero loves to drive his starship into things for no goddamn reason at all. Nicole. Well, I must be a dumbass because I didn't think it was predictable. I had no idea what was going to happen until the very end when he called the ship and I saw the bombs. I'm like, oh, I mean, I knew he didn't trust her. I knew he knew it was a trap. I knew he was going there and probably not coming back, but I didn't know that he was going to blow it up. Um, Again, I'm new to sci-fi, so I don't know the sci-fi tropes. And clearly I'm not as observant as some of you guys are, but I totally didn't see that coming. And then when the ship came through the the glass, which was weird, um, I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then I was like, okay, I get what he did. But what really made it dawn on me was when he when I, the message to Delenn went that I knew he wasn't coming back. I just didn't know what the plan was. Yeah, I'm glad Blake brought it up because I, I, I get the predictability, but I mean, this entire show is based on prophecy and signs and portents, if you will. What I really appreciate about this episode is you never have that dumbass moment where Sheridan's like, maybe it is Anna. Maybe she's telling the truth. No, he knew almost immediately that this is a setup. And I love that. I love the fact that the character isn't stupid enough to fall into this trap. And then he turns around and says, okay, well, they're going to let me into Zaha Doom. They're going to let me see the place. They're going to take me there and I can go ahead and do what I need to do to get things done. So I, I appreciated that piece of it. I agree. We probably could have got the nukes a few episodes earlier just to set it up. I think that would have been helpful. I do like the fact, though, that this show, again, doesn't think the audience is stupid. Like Ship of Tears. That's a very big plot point of this. We find Sheridan knows for fact that Anna has been turned because she has the implants, but no one says it. It's just on screen. It shows you for a second, okay, the the girl from Ship of Tears had the same implants that Anna has. The audience is smart enough to figure that out without being beat over their heads, and I appreciate that too. I have a couple questions just to kind of get the read from the newbies. Uh, we already had one that I was, I'm glad Mike asked. That's a good one. Um, a couple other ones I have is how do you all feel about where we are with the Sheridan's dream, which was also highlighted again last episode, and to now? Because remember, we talked about the man in the middle, uh, the right hand and the left hand. Uh, and then Justin does point out that he's some of what of a middleman. So what do you guys feel? Is that too much on the nose? Is that truly the man in the middle? Uh, have we seen it? Well, where are we at? Well, I had a thought on that. The one thing that I kind of thought about the episode with Sinclair when they go to B4 and all that. And Zathras says, you know, you're all the one. You're the past, you're the present, and you're the future. So he said that Sheridan was the future. So when all that going down and the bomb and, you know, um, Kasha's voice telling him to jump, like, I don't think Sheridan is dead. Like, I think that he's somehow survived. Maybe Kash somehow intervened or he knew something that he didn't know or I don't know. Like, I just kept thinking about that. And I kept thinking about the dream and then compared to that sequence about like that revelation. And I, I thought that, like, there was probably some correlation between the two. But again, I 
could be completely wrong on that. Um, but I didn't really think about the dream as much as I thought about that conversation um, with this whole, the way that this all went down. Um, but I do think that there is also like almost like a dual correlation with the dream too, if that made any sense. Yeah. And I mean, going back to to your point of the Sheridan Survivor Net, we're going to find out um, as we move forward. But remember, we've been told a couple different things, again, going back to prophecy. Kosh has said several times, if you go to Zaha Doom, you will die. Dylan, in the future, right, right, says, do not go to Zaha Doom. She doesn't say you're going to die. She says, do not go to Zaha Doom. I didn't pick up anything from this in regards to the dream sequence like there was nothing specific in here that made me think oh that this is what they were referring to mm-hmm. i didn't my get brain that keeps, this episode my brain keeps going back to the hand comment just seeing the picture of the hand in the sun and i don't i still don't have any idea what it means but i didn't get anything either anyone else have anything they want to talk about with this episode before we go into questions predictions yeah it finally explained why i never liked the whole dylan uh sheridan relationship thing going on to tell Because she always seemed more invested than he did because he was still dealing with um, losing his wife and trying to move forward. So it always felt very lopsided up until this Mm -hmm. episode. Really? See, I I see it completely different. I mean... Again, yeah, well, you also think kissing with eyes open is... Sure, whatever, whatever. But (laughs) hear me out, though. I mean, in, in the episode we've already talked about where we see the other actor play... Anna Sheridan says goodbye to her and it's like a meaningful goodbye. And that's the whole point of the episode, which I know most of you guys didn't like that episode, but his sister's there to help him say goodbye. And even with his goodbye video to Delenn, he flat out says, I don't want to go. I want to be with you. He knew Anna was a total crock. He (laughs) never seemed like he, we've never seen anything that shows that Anna is still like a chip on his shoulder or anything since that episode where he said goodbye. So I just don't see it. See, and I, I heard him say goodbye and I know he said it and I think he wanted to feel that way. And I think he was most of the way there, but something up until this point never convinced me that he had fully said goodbye and was like comfortable with moving forward. Something about always seemed not quite comfortable, kind of hesitant. And it could just be because of their position, like their positions on B5 and, you know, in the whole political scheme of what's going on. But yeah, up until this, it always seemed like there was a part of him that just wasn't as committed as Dylan seemed to be much earlier on. Comments below on YouTube or on Spotify, because you can comment on Spotify too. And uh, tell us why Emily's wrong <laughs> or why I'm wrong, which either way, I think Emily's wrong, but tell, comment either way. Kevin, what do you got? I also saw where Mira Furlan talked about the fact that she really wanted JMS to add in some conflict between the two of them. Um, and she said that he he knew that there needed to be something else to the relationship. It couldn't just be a you know a, a, an easy courtship without any sort of you know growing pains or strife or anything else. But I think this was really necessary for the relationship because not not because I always like seeing conflict uh, in relationships on screen, but I think that the way this one had been portrayed up until this point, it needed something else, and Mira knew that very well and she I don't I don't it didn't seem like she needed to talk JMS into it it was kind of like hey can you write in some conflict and he's like yeah that's a good idea I think I'll do that 
Anything else from anybody before we move into questions and predictions? You know, I'll just say I think I think Box Lightner did a pretty good uh, job in this episode with with the acting front because the character has ridden the galaxy's wildest emotional roller coaster in this episode and and come out the other end uh you know and i think i like I said i just think he he did a pretty good job with portraying his character's emotion through all of that mm-hmm. yeah that, i agree that scene with uh with delenn where he's upset with her his voice is when it's usually kind of that that gravelly voice when it's got an edge to it and he's he's angry at someone it is downright frightening and i don't think he was trying to be frightening but uh i wouldn't want that guy mad at me jesse i definitely agree with kevin i was watching him um do that scene and i was like he's really good at this like he really seems disgusted and just the whole he's a great actor you can tell that you know there's just so many there's a lot of depth to him and without him even really trying it seemed like he was doing a very good job of um conveying that yeah one thing i brought up on our beyond the rim that i haven't mentioned to you guys yet is in this watch through which has been different for me because i'm watching with you week to week and i haven't gone on ahead um i haven't been as impressed with sheridan as i have been in the past and um so it's interesting to hear what you guys are thinking on that too i think it's because i've just for you know nearly 30 years have been like oh sheridan's great and i'm watching this and i'm like is he is he so it's been interesting like so if, if we're done on that front, I did want to jump in a little bit on that in narration by Andreas Katsoulis a little bit more. Um, he pretty much did that in two takes, according to what JMS said on the production of the episode. Uh, he did that in two takes. They used the first of the two. So it's not just the writing, but his ability to deliver, even when it's in a voiceover work, and to feel that inflection of what he has going with that work. So I just think that in uh, dialogue of his was just incredible in this episode. I know we mentioned it before, but definitely worth bringing up again that anytime he's got something to say on screen or even as a voiceover. Justin. Yeah, I mean, to Blake's point, 100% agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, But going back to Sheridan, um, I guess watching it for the first time perspective, he grew on me um, for sure. I At the first the first kind of chunk of the season, I was with some of the other people and being kind of annoyed that he seemed to always have the right answer at the right time and everything like that. But it's they both JMS, I think, and Boxleitner both went a long way into make humanizing him a lot towards, I think, the second half of the season to where by the time we get to Zaha Doom, you can tell he's not perfect. You can tell he has flaws. You can tell he's he's not always the you know, Johnny on the spot with the, you know, has the perfect answer to save the day type mentality anymore. And I think Sheridan's really grown on me during this season for sure. Nicole. Yeah, I was also going to say I was all pro Sinclair, Big Daddy Sinclair, my favorite. I'm never going to like Sheridan, this and that. But Justin kind of hit the nail on the head. Like we got a little bit more meat out of him and it humanized him. But what I like about him, his character development is that you just saw I think somebody said earlier an emotional roller coaster, you know, like so many things have happened to him specifically. And you've seen him as an actor, Bruce Boxleitner, like give us so much different depth and different types of um, characters and different types of um, emotion. And I thought that was really cool. And I think that is what made me really start to like him. Just the quality of like how he portrays what he's supposed to be portraying in the episodes. Um, But also his character, 
he doesn't quite play by the rules. You could tell he's a good guy, but also like he kind of gets shit done in a way that isn't always like the best way. He kind of he has his own ways of kind of achieving things and they're not always right, but he knows that. And like Justin said, it's not he's he's not perfect. He has flaws. And I really think that we got to really see that and learn a lot more about his character. So, you know, I definitely feel like he's grown on me quite a bit as well. I have a question for the group um, having to do with Ivanova. What was everyone's read on her seeming like she believed he was gone at the end of the se- at the end of the episode? It's funny that you asked that, Kevin, because I wrote down on my notebook and I was going to bring it up and I totally forgot was when she said he's gone and she had tears in her eyes. It kind of broke my heart a little bit like. It's like, oh, she knew, like she knows, like, I feel like she knew him and she knew what he was going to do when she put everything together um, and they were leaving. She goes, oh, my God, he's gone. Like, she just figured it out. And it, it just the way she portrayed that, it was like heartbreaking. It was a very good uh, acting sequence for her, for sure. I think it was her telepathic abilities. She really hasn't had a chance to really display a lot of her latent telepathic abilities yet. And I think this is kind of the first time to where she could just kind of sense it, that something bad happened even before they confirmed that the White Star was destroyed, even before they even tried to reach out to Sheridan and try and get a hold of him. She knew something bad had happened to him and something was wrong. So, because you can kind of see that, it change in her face when she comes to that realization as soon as the bomb goes off she knows something bad happened so I, I i think it was the whole telepathic thing okay let's go ahead and move into questions and predictions and a couple things we are at the end of season three but next week on our live recap show we will ask the uh newbies about any questions and predictions for the entire season so i want this to be just about zaha doom and what you predict is going to happen after this episode we'll get into a more detailed season three talk later on once again for those joining us for the first time we're going to get these questions predictions from the newbies they're going to get ejected out the airlock and then we're going to talk spoilers with blake mike kevin and i let's go to nicole first questions and predictions Well, obviously, does Sheridan survive or does he not? Which I know you guys will talk about. So whose blood was on Sheridan's face? I want to know. If he blew up Zaha Doom, did he destroy like there are like, obviously, the ships that were out are okay. But like, did he do a lot of damage? Did he debilitate them? Or they still have more ships that like were underground? Uh, Like how bad was the damage that was done on Zaha Doom? And then prediction wise... I have no fucking idea what's going to happen next. (laughs) And we'll go to uh, Jesse. Questions, predictions. Um, One of the questions that I had is Londo able to turn down the appointment he got or whatever they call the promotion he got. I'm not sure if it's something that he's allowed to say no to or should say no to. And then I guess for predictions, I'm just going to predict that Sheridan and Garibaldi both come back. Like, I can't imagine a show without them. So... Um, gonna be pretty pissed if they one or both die. Scott, um, we can answer that question about L- Londo, can't we? I mean, I guess. Uh, sure, Kevin, go ahead. You can step on that landmine. Okay. I mean, in Centauri culture, like you're just not gonna turn down, you know, a job like that. Um, and the fact that 
you know, Londo's wanted that his whole life. He's not going to turn that down, even though he knows it's a leash. I don't think he'd be able to come up with a good reason why he would turn it down. Um, he's still going to do both jobs. He made that abundantly clear. Okay. Thank you. Well, and I think in a government where it's not a president, it's not a chancellor, it's an emperor. And I don't think you can turn that down. Good point. Yeah. 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 And we've already seen and heard that the emperor has made some moves to get people out of the way. Remember the prime minister, we heard about that guy getting um, exited out of the building. So he'd be putting himself in a lot of peril too. Oh yeah. He he would die if he, because even in that scene, Londo sits there and says, the moment I say anything they don't like, I'm going to wake up with a cut in my throat from ear to ear. Well, just imagine if you turn that down. He would be killed. Absolutely. Especially after just a few episodes ago with Rock Cried Out, we're being told that the Emperor, who we know is Emperor Cartagia, we've heard the name, we've been told that he's not entirely sure who he should lean with, Rifa or Londo. He's leaning towards Londo, but should he? And so there's always some question marks about who has loyalty and who has not. So yeah, I agree. Any other questions, predictions, Jesse? No. Okay. Justin, questions, predictions. Uh, I'll start with predictions first. Morton's alive. It's too easy for him to go out like that, I think. I don't think Morton's dead at all. I think we're going to see him again in season four. And I think he's going to be leading the shadows from here on out. I think, Justin, I think if if we had to go back and see the scene from a, from a different angle, I picture Sheridan shooting Justin right in the face and then <laughs> him getting... Um, him kind of get into like a like a William Shatner like double hammer fist scrap with Morton, and that's how he gets his face all beat up and shit like that. Uh, but then he ends up escaping, and uh, Morton ends up ex- escaping. So I think Morton's alive. We're gonna see him again. That fucker's not going down that easy. I'm glad you brought that up, Justin. It was brought up in the uh, Usenets. It was kind of like one of those where JMS just didn't feel like we needed to see the scene, but JMS did point out it was a fight. To get to where he was when the bomb fell, so you see well, yeah, blood on his he was, face. He yeah. was all fucked up when he was yeah. when he was getting out to that landing, where he just looks out over the shadow city and all that shit. And yeah, he was he was pretty toe up. JMS yeah. actually said he tussled with a shadow. And yeah. Box Leitner was very disappointed they didn't film more of that scene. He at oh, yeah. least wanted to see the room after the tussle. Um, but of course, we don't get to see anything other than just a shot of, you know, Box Leitner shooting at the shadow. It makes perfect sense, too, because Box Leitner at heart is a Western guy. He loves Westerns. He loves playing in Westerns. So anytime he gets to throw a fist, I bet he would love to do that. Well, that answers another one of my questions then about if we get to actually see like a flashback of what actually happens during that whole thing. Um, But I also say Sheridan's alive. It's, again, too easy for Sheridan to go out like that. I think somehow he survives falling down the hole, a massive hole with 600 megatons going off above him. Somehow he lives through this and has to find a way to survive on Zaha Doom. Um, Maybe, you know, since he's been touched by Vorlon and he has, you know, cautious spirit within him, maybe something happens with that that saves him. But Sheridan's alive. Justin, you're a genius. Because they just said that they can't have anything touch them that's been touched by a Vorlon. Oh, shit. See, and, just, shit. and I'm really surprised Justin hasn't been gloating more because he called the there's a piece of cosh inside Sheridan and it's clear right. that there is because he tells Sheridan jump motherfucker. Jump, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I've like, been saying that so too. <laughs> he's yeah, he's been guided. He's been guided this whole time by Kosh's spirit. Right. So it's 
It's gonna Kosh is gonna help help keep him alive on Zaha Doom. And so that leads into part B of this prediction. Um, going back to all like Jakar's beautiful, and I did the same thing as Nicole. I wrote down the whole damn thing because I thought it was just an awesome kind of monologue there at the end. But the whole part of that is about transition and rebirth. And it's not the first time we've seen this in this season about transitions and rebirth and everything like that. John Sheridan may may end up dying on Zaha Doom because it's still going to be Sheridan. It's just not going to be the same Sheridan. He's going to come back changed. Not like physically altered or anything like that, but he's going to come back a changed person. So by Kosh's, you know, it may be a a fulfilling prophecy by Kosh saying, if you go to Zaha Doom, you'll die, because he's not going to come back the same person. So that's prediction number two. Um, Prediction number three, the shadows aren't going to take this line down. Yeah, they are temporarily hurt. We don't know how hurt they are yet, but they are temporarily hurt. But they're going to come back, and they're going to come back with a vengeance. This thing's going to get a lot more darker before it gets lighter. Um, going into questions, what what happened to Garibaldi, and why was he taken? Because it looked, was it? I think he latched on to go there to get Sheridan because he knew what Sheridan so? was doing. That's what mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Okay. I took it. I took it as they snatched him. Mm-mm. So maybe maybe no. I just watched. I'm it. really. I was actually. I was being quiet because no one brought up Garibaldi, and so I'm just like. We're just not well, going to talk about him. And I, I was going to make it was going to come up in I, questions and predictions. Yeah, I was going to make yeah. funny of y'all if he didn't. So okay, so I've heard from Justin. You've said that Garibaldi was snatched. Nicole and Emily, yeah. you say no. No, he did that on purpose. He latched onto that ship to go get Sheridan because he knew what he was doing. Okay, and Emily, you said the same thing. Yeah, I assumed Garibaldi voluntarily left to go find him. That was my Jesse. Assumption. What say you? I think that he did it on purpose because you see him. You see him in the last second before he disappears, and he's got this look on his face like, wait a minute, what the fuck's happening? So I definitely think he did it. Well, that's what made me think that he got snatched, because he wasn't expecting, like, if he was this on purpose. shaking her head emphatically at Justin. No. He would have jumped up to, like, he he wouldn't be going, oh, what the fuck? No, he he was surprised they were leaving. That's what surprised him and shocked him because they started leaving. And then he's like, oh, wait a second. What the fuck? And then he was like, "Mm, nope, I got to go. Like he I think he was surprised that they were leaving. And that's what what shocked him. Well, I guess one of us is right and three of us are wrong. It's me. I'm right. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But um, so, yeah. So like why? And if okay, if he was taken, why did they take him? Was it for something specific? Does well, you know, does Garibaldi also have a special destiny? Um, and then yeah, that's pretty much it then, because I kind of wrapped some of my questions into my predictions. So yeah, that's it for me. Emily, questions, predictions. First question: What the fuck was that abyss type thing he jumped into? <laughs> like he's just jumping off ledge into like what the vacuum of space? Well, what the fuck? Nicole pointed out that she hasn't watched sci-fi, so she's not knowledgeable about all the tropes, but every single planet slash spaceship slash space station has a bottomless pit. Let's be honest. I, I love the fact, like, I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, Star Trek Nemesis, Boy. where they're, like, they're, they're, they're literally on the lowest deck of the ship, like, deck 26 or 28 or whatever it is, and Riker and the 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 guy are fighting, and then they find a bottomless pit and shoot him down. I'm like, that was the last deck! What is this? Sometimes the bottomless pit has a tongue and some teeth. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep, yep, yep. Then you crawl out of it 30 years later and make a terrible TV show. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Can we all get behind the fact that the Boba Fett show was shitty? Can we all get behind that? No. 
Not Jesus good. Christ. <laughs> no. I mean, it was slow in parts. I, I didn't love all of it. But they had the teenage the end, aliens like, from Turtles. They reminded me of the Planet Z or Planet X it had turtle problems, teenagers. But I, I'm not going to say it sucked. Sorry. Okay, fine. fine. You want to talk about suck, we can talk about... Uh, um, oh, here it comes. What's the... Anyway, never mind. Ah, damn it. <laughs> what's the What's the one that came out of... Um, oh, my God. What is the matter with me tonight? You can remember every actor's name from 1995. I know. It's ridiculous. I... Um, <laughs> Uh, Cassie and Andor, the Andor series. I didn't like that. Oh, I heard that was like the best. Well, that's not Star Wars. Oh, so that means it's good, right, Kevin? Uh, it's not Star Wars. It's good. Yeah. And I actually just, have a Millennium Falcon on my shirt. I why just had an aneurysm. Uh, why are you Star Wars haters? God, I love Star Wars. I know. Thank you, Nicole. I, <laughs> Fuck Star Trek. How about that? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to associate with that. Uh, I don't want to be here all night. Let's get... <laughs> Mike, you you were saying, Mike? I no. No, we're done. <laughs> Shut okay. it down. Where the fuck are we? Emily, are you doing questions, predictions? No, it's Nicole. I have no idea what's going on. No, so. Nicole's up for questions, predictions. No, I'm done. I already oh, watched. Oh, Nicole went it. first. Okay, so Emily's up. Emily is up. Questions, predictions, Emily. I was right. The Abyss one, because I... I'm struggling to figure out how he's going to survive this, if at all, because it kind of doesn't make sense to kill him off at this point, but maybe it does. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, that was basically my question. What the hell did he jump into? Because what he jumps into will dictate a lot of what happens afterwards. I would assume if he's a puddle on the bottom of the floor, it's going like, to dictate a lot of season four. Or if he's like in some weird la-la land of who knows, like a weird new Vorlon dimension portal opened up that was just hanging out in Zaha Doom. You know, who knows? I would assume that'd be Vorlon's touching the shadows, but we'll see. And then predictions, Emily, anything? No, nope, nothing. Is Sharon in a puddle? Yes or no? <laughs> don't really care <laughs> <laughs> Emily got some hate comments on YouTube from one guy and I think Blake and I promptly had fun with him but you've already got some hate comments Emily oh I don't know about those what exactly did Tell I do us to about these anymore? should I read the hate comment to Emily is that what I should do is yeah. it gonna ruin my night or is it actually no. funny no it's just no hold on first of all before we even start fuck that guy Let's just start there. <laughs> Fuck no, they were clearly Although, I did that. say some things knowing they were going to piss people off. So <laughs> sometimes uh, I'm just a little sassy. I haven't been on enough lately to piss anybody off. So I'm just back here chilling. You really are slacking, Jesse. I mean, therefore, I know. you were like our number one fan getter. What can I say to piss people off today? Okay, so here is the lovely comment that you got from Dr. Algernon Benway, 1542. Doctor, can you spell that out? Algernon <laughs> Benway. Oh, okay. Common spelling. That was a good book, Flowers from Algernon. Why is Emily still on this show? Question mark. Oh. You know shit. what? Oh, no, it's not, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Hold on, please. Please hold. Shots fired. Why? I should I should use this for the review is what I should have done. Why is Emily still on this show? She clearly doesn't like Babylon 5, doesn't get it, and doesn't even bother paying attention to the episodes. She would be happier if she were doing something else. And so would we. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. What a dick. <laughs> are they yeah. talking about me? Because I feel like that no, could no, apply to... talking about me. No, because no. there was, there was, was one episode where it was Emily, rock cried was, out. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. having having trouble engaging with the episode so it's like all right you have one episode that you're having trouble with and he goes off like an asshole okay but that's not the only episode i've had an issue with so well yeah. i know but Even that was I the was one that you were having choice. trouble engaging with like you Blake, yeah. would, you, would you like me to read your response? Do you feel oh, go right ahead. I mean, we're okay. on a roll with this. So here's Blake's response. Perhaps because she actually is enjoying the show, she's maybe not liking all of it or not liking certain plot and story elements as much as others, which is okay. That is why we brought together a group of people who could offer diverse thoughts and opinions on the show and not just engage in a fanboy circle jerk. Plus, keep in mind, Emily is watching through for the first time, so it's, it is to be expected there will be missing things. Hell, those of you who have watched the show many, many times over still catch things at the first time or notice things differently each time we watch it. This has been part of the fun for us and first ones, and this is getting the, that first time experience by our newbies. But hey, thanks for listening. And here comes the quintessential Blake. Thanks for listening. And if you would be happier doing something else, I am sure you uh, you can find something to occupy your time, such as hate listening and commenting on someone else's podcast. <laughs> we can recommend a couple. I did also point out, I commented too, just saying, because this was Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. And then Emily, you actually really liked the next episode after that. And mm -hmm. I had known that because we already recorded it. So I said, your gatekeeping is going to look really good in about a day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that sounds like? That sounds like our friend from Brazil, because yeah, that's exactly from Argentina. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Our friend oh, from, Argentina from Argentina who may be an escaped Nazi. What? Oh, Possibly. Because <laughs> that's the same fucking trope that he used with me when I hated the entire first season of this this show. And that's so, kind of a fanboy thing to do. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. like anyone with vaginas. What? Right. <laughs> you invalidate. Just because they can't yourself. get one. You invalidate yourself. Oh, the minute, the minute that you assert that your feelings are shared by everyone else in the entire fucking world, right? We would all be better off if you'd left the show, right? Um, um, who the well, fuck we, are you to take my agency away from me? Right. Fuck you. Like, what we really need though is for Jesse and Emily and Nicole to discuss pay equity again between them. Because ah, I yes. know the last time oh, they did that, yes, all, we got some... was... yes. All right, I'm... can we talk about mental and emotional load in relationships? Because <laughs> <laughs> Any... I know that will go over super well, too. <laughs> you need to get back in the kitchen and shut your mouth, because we've Any... had enough. I want to point mean, out, send... Snack, so maybe shoving something in the pie hole will help. <laughs> send all your comments whether they're good or bad because at the end of the day your comments help our algorithm so even if you're gonna bash the shit out of us it still helps us so keep them <laughs> and coming it, and it gives us and it gets us good comedy fodder so exactly bring it on. girls rule and boys drool thank you dr algernon we appreciate it no shit thanks <laughs> on that fun note we'll go ahead and wrap it up with the newbies and we will be back next week but not to talk about an episode We'll be here to talk about all of season three. We will be live on YouTube October 22nd at 9 p.m. U.S. Central Time. And you can join us and we will absolutely have the fans involved in the talk. And we have usually a really good time with our recap shows. And then the week after, we will be back with, we'll be back in the hour of The Wolf which is the first episode of season four. So thanks for all of you joining us through the first three seasons. We've only got two seasons left of Babylon 5, plus some movies and some other fun stuff. But we are definitely on our way down the hill. We have gone over the peak. Ooh. <laughs> 
be sure again to like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, leave a comment. Even if you want to bash on one of our ladies, feel free. Uh, again, it helps us. Jesse is flipping off the camera right now, just in case you wanted to know. I know from our analytics that only about half of you are subscribed right now, so click that subscribe or follow button, especially on Spotify and Apple. That really does help us. So until next week, when we talk about season three, I have been Scott, and with me has been... Jesse. Justin. Blake. Emily. Blake. Nicole. And Kevin. Jesse, did you strain yourself with putting both those middle fingers up when you did that? Are you oh, okay? I'm a fucking lady. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared approved or licensed by warner brothers or any other owners of the babylon 5 copyright all clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders they are included here for purpose of review and no infringement is intended the opening and closing themes are available from falling matter on youtube and what's out there the rim and beyond that the truth Welcome back to Beyond the Rim again. Final warning, this is a spoiler section where we'll be discussing all of the questions and predictions that the newbies have about Zaha Doom. And we may be talking a little bit more about other stuff that comes up in season four and season five. So if you have not watched past or you just don't remember what happens next, this is a time where you should leave us. So guys, we'll dive into the questions and most of the questions revolve around obviously the big cliffhanger at the end. Uh, we kind of already answered Nicole's first question, but I'll throw it out uh, because I think it is something that we've talked about a little bit. And who was... Whose blood was on Sheridan's face at the end? Sheridan's. Yeah, I, I assume that's what he got roughed up. I mean, he got out of there, but he got his ass beat when he was trying to get out of there because he looked like he was out of breath. He was tired. Yeah, I mean, so. it never even occurred to me that it wasn't anything but just his. Yeah, I agree. I do think I would have loved to see Bruce Bicelider fight a shadow, but it also would look really terrible if 1996. Yeah, that, that was that was the producer's point. There was like, yeah, there was literally no way to do that. So we decided that we weren't going to do it. <laughs> or we could watch him beat up an old guy with Justin. Just yeah. beat the shit out of him. Well, yeah. There go. Could have been an idea. Okay, next one is, does Sheridan survive or does he not? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that's interesting is everyone's right. Delenn didn't want him to go to Zaha Doom because he's going to die in 20 years now. And Kosh was right. He did die. He just got brought back. Emily asks, and we kind of already discussed this on the main show, but if there's anything else you guys want to add, is what's with the bottomless pit? She turned into Seinfeld. And how does he survive? Uh, we don't know. And we also don't know why it has a skylight above it. <laughs> <laughs> But this is where I go to why I disagree with JMS and some of the others that about who is the man in the middle. Mm -hmm. Because Sheridan's dream was generated by Kosh, right? Yep. Kosh is who tells Sheridan to jump off the balcony into the pit. The man in the middle, to me, is Lorian waiting for Sheridan in the pit to catch him. See, but I don't... Uh, we, when we watch Hour of the we'll Wolf... Get there later. Yeah, but I don't... And if you've watched it... So, 
more recently, I may be wrong, but I don't remember Lorian saying that Kosh knew Lorian was down there. I think Kosh was just trying to prolong his own existence, just like Sheridan is. When he jumps, he's like, well, it's, we're going to blow up anyway. Might as well jump and see what happens. I don't. He doesn't, but I, I mean, Lorian does not say that. That never gets admitted or alluded to. But I just think Kosh would have an idea that he's having him jump for Reese. Because, I mean, it was an emphatic jump now. Because we're going to blow up. <laughs> that's well. That's what I was saying, too. Is like, I, There's something very prophetic about the way Kosh handles that situation and and i and i'm 100 percent with you blake i don't like he wouldn't have just said jump into the bottomless pit for no reason like he had some yeah. reasonable expectation that there was salvation at the other end <laughs> at the bottom of the pit like now i'll be the first to say to to blake's point about Lorian being the man in the middle jms has changed his story over the years several times it's like reading a rorschach pain figuring out what jms actually wanted to mean but he did say on the usenets flat out Justin is the man in between, the middleman, as he describes himself. So, in 1996, <laughs> at least, JMS was on my side. And frankly, I mean, in, in a show where we've learned that the one is actually three different people. Yes, that's <laughs> like, true. That's the middleman could be Justin and Lorianne. Wasn't that a show, The Middlemen? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Did Sheridan do a lot of damage to the Shadows? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he didn't take him out of the war or anything, but yeah, he he hurt him. There's a guy I watch on YouTube. His name is, uh, well, he goes by a couple different names, but on this show, he's Lore Runner, and he went through all of Babylon 5 a few years ago, and one of the things he's kind of theorized, and I don't think he's ever really said in the show, is that the Shadows have forgotten how to build their ships. They've been around for so long that they, I mean, they bury them in planets to make sure that they're around for the next cycle. The theory is that their ships are finite. And every time you take one out, and this also goes back to shadow dancing and why they ran away, is because when you take one of their ships out, it's not just like they can rebuild it. It's the, hmm. the, that's that's damaging to them in yeah. a lot of ways. It's, it's interesting. And maybe it's less that they've forgotten how to build them because I don't know that I buy that explanation. But since they're biological, maybe it's more of a weak we can't breed them anymore. We don't have be. the ability mm-hmm. to make them anymore. Interesting. Yeah, his his illusion, it was, uh, imagine 100 years from now and you find a car after the apocalypse and it still drives. You can drive it. You don't know how to build it, but you can drive it. But yeah, yeah. Mike, that's a good point too with him being bio. But either way, I think that we've been shown here in the past couple episodes that they take when they take damage, it hurts them a lot. It really does set them back. I love the fact that one of the next episodes is whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi, because our newbies didn't really give a shit either, which is fun. It really uh, surprised me. I was going to say <laughs> something about it at the end when nobody had mentioned it. And then, like, who was it, yeah. Jesse? Like, casually dropped it in questions. I just yeah, assumed I it was going to come up in questions and predictions, but yeah. I figured we'd talk about it if they didn't. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it because our newbies are dead wrong, at least three out of four of them, when they asked, did Garibaldi go willingly? And if he was taken, why? Garibaldi did not go willingly. He was yeah. taken. And why will be an entire plot point for all of season four. It It is some of Jerry Doyle's better acting, him being an asshole, which is right up his alley. So Was he really, was he really acting, though, at that point? Yeah, right. He was taken by the shadows. He will be picked up by Psychor, and he will be turned. 
he's going to be another control type character. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on with Mr. Garibaldi. Although JMS actually today, as we're recording this, threw out on Twitter that it's ironic that Garibaldi is the only one who actually truly gets a happy ending. He gets a wife that he's always wanted. He gets a kid. He gets a billion whatever credit job. And he's playing, you know, watching Franklin and his kid play tennis at the end. He's he gets it. He gets a the, the good story at the end, even though he goes through shit to get there. Moving right along to predictions. Morton is alive. Yeah, he's alive, but he looks like an overcooked marshmallow at this point. <laughs> I am convinced Justin has seen the show before. So I will cop to one thing. So. Oh, did you spoil it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Justin flat out, he was like, I, I'm done watching Zaha Doom. I think Morton's still alive. And he kept pressing me, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, we'll see him again. Oh, Kevin. I know. Wah, wah, wah. So I'm going to cop to that one. Uh, yeah, but he, he came to me with it. So, But that was one of those things where it was like, Okay, Justin, I, I I can't like I don't have the mental toughness to to uh, have you keep pressing me in your in the in your state right now. So yes, you, you you would you would not do well with the guy with the sandwich in the room that comes up in season four, right? You should also stay far far away from those timeshares. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, he's gonna be oh. the one buying two. <laughs> oh man, we had one of those the the you know the first the second day we were married we had one of those uh because we we bought a honeymoon package uh-huh yep at at, at uh, moon palace in in mexico and cancun and yeah that i was like i'm not making this kind of financial decision on my second day married sorry <laughs> that's one of those where they say you only have to go to an hour meeting and then they lock the doors behind you as you walk yeah. in <laughs> i i will be the first one to admit that we fell for it and it was a something we feel shame and regret about ever since oh. <laughs> so yeah morton will be back oh and i will talk about it when we see morton again i think next episode this is where i truly think that again i'm gonna get comments as i always do i really truly think that they, they are not in control and justin has a prediction that comes up that talks about this as well but morton is no longer a human because he got nuked and he just kind of regenerated his skin. The same way with Justin, I the, the shadow Justin. I don't think that he is in control of anything. I think he thinks he's in control, but he is just another puppet for the shadows, just like Anna, just like Morden. I will say too, JMS pointed out that Justin was not a part of the Icarus crew. He was assigned later is what he said. Mm. So whatever that means. <laughs> this is a fun one. Morden is now the new leader of the shadows. No. And that goes back to what I was just talking about, too, is that none of these humans or human-like entities are in charge at all. But we do have some more fun with Morden before he gets beheaded and then comes back as a ghost. Yay. Next prediction, Sheridan is alive, and he will have to find a way to survive. And Kosh will help. Sort of? <laughs> I mean, Sheridan is Schrodinger's Sheridan right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, neither, he's, be, he's between he's, tick and talk. He's neither dead nor alive. He will have to find a way to survive, I guess. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it's not really a way to survive. He's not, like, going to go have to scrounge for shadow meat or anything. <laughs> but he's the whole point is he's going to have to decide, is it is it worth fighting for? Is it worth coming back? And that's Lorian's whole point is... Do you have the will to live? Yes. Knowing, too, that you're going to pay a price, but do you have the will to survive? So he's going to have to survive, but it's not like a physical Maslov thing. It's 
more than that. And Kosh does help. But again, this goes back to what I was re referring to about my opinion on is Kosh, does Kosh know more about what's happening after the fact is we were told by Kosh himself that after living for so long, he got used to living. And I truly think that this Kosh is trying to hang on for dear life, whatever that life is. But I can see where you guys are coming from, where it's much more planned out than that. I just, I don't see it. I just see well, Kosh is trying to survive. Like I, I, think, I think it's a little of both I, I, is how I view it. I mean, I think I, it, we know that the shadows return to Zahadum because Lorianne is there. And I have to believe that after however many millennia, the Vorlons probably know that Lorianne is there too. Maybe, I don't know if there's anything that contradicts that opinion or not. I don't, I don't me, know about it. I mean, if there is, it's in the books I haven't read. But I, I have to believe that they would know that he is there too. And whether Kosh knows exactly what is going to happen or not is, is I think, not the point. I think, I think Kosh believes there is a chance that Sheridan and therefore himself will survive yeah. by jumping into the pit. Well, I'm kind of thinking like, uh, you know, good old diehard. The bridge is going to explode. Jump. You may not make it. Uh, maybe but there's jump. water down there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to that hose and hope for the best. And it's not Jerry Doyle jumping, even though it looks like it. <laughs> John Sheridan did die, but he will come back changed. Kevin, you're cheating. No. <laughs> I copped to the one that's true. That was it. Um, I thought it was a minor thing. <laughs> we, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, probably a couple seasons ago now, that we have a theory that, because Kevin and Justin have been, and Blake and Justin have been friends for a long time, that even through osmosis, Justin has probably seen this show before. He just doesn't remember the well, finer points. Look, I mean, I'm sure that as much as these newbies tried to stay away from stuff, you know, they probably saw something of, you know, I mean, even just buying the box set for Justin, yeah. you know, see Sheridan on the cover of the box set for season four, even though he put it on a shelf immediately. And I believe him. I know he did because uh, he wouldn't lie about something like that. But. You know, it it's it's kind of a layup, honestly. I mean, for this this major of a character to uh, not be in the final two seasons, it's kind of a layup. Well, I have to think this is like a funny, almost a generational thing with with like the whole transition from live television to streaming. Because I mean, let's face it, we're all pretty old at this point, and like. P5 was on live TV, so there's like every chance that flipping channels one day, right? You know, Justin has saw a commercial or seen an episode or whatever. Like, it's not like today where you have to deliberately make a decision to go watch something. I mean, hell, I used to turn on the TV, sit down to eat dinner, and just pick a random show. I didn't even have to know what it was, <laughs> you know? So it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we already had this with, I mean, you could not pull up a picture of Babylon 5 without seeing Dylan with hair. So, I mean, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not the first time for that, for sure. The last question is the shadows won't take this lying down and there is going to be an escalation. Not That's really, but not really, though. I mean, this is the weirdest thing about season four for me. And I know it's because, and we'll talk about this. I don't, I don't think we want to talk about this with the newbies until we get past season four because it it gives stuff away. But on the meta, season four was going to be the last season. They were told that you're going to get season four, but you ain't going to have a season five. 
So they really compacted everything into one season. The Shadow War ends in six episodes. Six episodes and the Shadow War is over. Mm-hmm. Into the fire. So, and then the rest of season four is what happens with the Earth and everything else. So there, we're, we've kind of seen the, the, the start of the end of the Shadow War with this. So there's not much of an escalation. This kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier is I think a lot of damage was done to the Shadows when Zaha Doom gets blown up. Because I don't think they have much of a fighting force left. But um, we'll see the end of it here six episodes from now. So, guys, that ends season three for us. Again, we're going to have the recap next week. And if you don't join us on the live or you're listening to this, you know, 20 years from now, if that even is a thing, we will be releasing this season three recap as a podcast on our normal Wednesday. And then the next week we'll be doing the first episode of season four. But, guys, season four is when things get pretty darn interesting for us schedule-wise because in eight episodes we're going to do the first movie with third space. So that'll be interesting to see how the newbies take to these uh, little side quests over to movies and everything else as we move our way through both season four and season five. We got a little bit more to go before we get to the end of this thing. And I think season four, even though season three had the much higher rated episodes, I still think there's some really good stuff in season four. And I think that's where this whole show really does come together. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it. So until next week, when we talk about all of season three, I've been Scott and with me has been. Blake, Mike, and Kevin. Remember to like, subscribe, follow, and leave us a review, and we will talk soon. And uh, season four is a coming. Wells Fargo Wagon is a coming down. Thermal fusion system armed for detonation.